This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to One Shot, a fan fiction podcast. Today I'm talking to Molly. Her fandom is a series of unfortunate events. Hi, Molly. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with me. I was going to say thank you for having me, but <laughs> you're, I'm having you. <laughs> you're having me. I'm having your mind and your presence. I appreciate it. <laughs> so a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. We love that book series. Such a fan. If you haven't heard of them, it's a 13-part book series. Yes. For young adults. Yeah. Children. Children. Young adults. There's some racy themes in there. It gets sexy, for sure. <laughs> I was thinking more the dying. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> a lot of people die. Death and sex are really <laughs> closely correlated for me. Yeah. So how did you get into uh, a series of unfortunate events and fan fiction? Which came first? A series of unfortunate events definitely came first. And I was quite young when I read them. I think I would have been about 11. And I'm trying to think, I'm trying, I remember that the film came out, the one with Jim Carrey, and I'm wondering, I feel like I bought the first three books in like a film edition box. Really? Yeah. I feel like I remember having the three books in like a case with Jim (laughs) Jim Carrey's face on it, (laughs) which is how all books should come, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) But it was him in Dumb and Dumb. (laughs) Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Gandalf Carrey? Yeah. (laughs) The mask. Um... (laughs) But I got into them really fast and then I think that they were super addictive and the further on in the series you get, it becomes very like a mystery kind of almost conspiratorial themes start to emerge. Um, And I think I found that really interesting. And that kind of happened simultaneously with Harry Potter. Like the last Lemony Snicket book came out just before Harry, the last Harry Potter book came out. So it was a very exciting time to be I like a, an 11 year old reader and just be like, oh my God, yeah. everything's coming together. So yeah. I reckon you must've been older than 11. I was in year five when the last Lemony Snicket book came out. And I know, cause wow. I remember explaining it to my friend who was in year six, explaining the ending cause she didn't understand it. <laughs> cool older friends. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick acknowledgement. Like, let me, uh, <laughs> let me break it down for you. Still it, friends with her. It did. It did. And strangely, I remember myself, young reader, thinking mm. what just happened. Yeah. And I had to go back for a reread. Mm. But um, they're an amazing series. <laughs> One of those series. books that <laughs> keeps, keeps you thinking. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a real page turner, literally page turner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you read the books and you loved them. And then had you heard of fan fiction at all at this stage? I'm trying to remember the order. Basically, I loved the books and I went and joined a forum about it. Cute. Yeah. Pro boards. Do we remember pro boards? They were. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was It was one of those things and every website would be blank.proboards.com. Like they were oh. like the host. And so, yeah, it was this Lemony Snicket forum and I joined it and I called myself May to, you know, hide, my, <laughs> hide myself online. <laughs> And they had a fan fiction section. Like they had fan art, fan fiction, role play games. But I also did Harry Potter fan fiction. I can't exactly remember how I found it all, but... But it came from seeking more. Absolutely. And wanting always, not just going there to read other people's, it was always to write my own because I loved writing. Mm. Rather than just going and being like, I'm just going to like consume what other people had my the first the first port of call was me writing and then the afterthought was like and now I'll see what other people have done love that thank you it's how I live my life to this day <laughs> <laughs> so would you would you write a story and post it or was it just writing and keeping it privé no definitely posting everything love this story um without giving too much away this one no is, spoilers please no spoilers <laughs> It more uh, in the, the behind the scenes, I completely lose steam because I started writing it very enthusiastically and you can just, and because it was um, on a forum, I write a little intro at the start of everything and I'm engaging in conversation, which I saw for the first time since 2009 yep. last night. My attitude is just like, oh, I had to write another chapter of this bullshit. Like I'm so <laughs> over it because that's the thing so about true. a book series. You get engaged in different parts and this story is like 
something I was interested in at that moment, but then I was more interested in other aspects of the fandom, but I'd made this commitment. It's the only fan fiction I've ever finished. Wow. I've said there are a lot of like three chapter long. Okay. That's the classic fan fiction mm-hmm. move though. I, yeah. I as well have so many unfinished fics. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Because it's like you said, you get that like horse out of the gate momentum yeah. of like, this is the only thing that matters in my life. I have to write this story. And then after three chapters of people, and then people say, you yeah, know, when's the next chapter? You know, if it's going well, <laughs> yeah. Um, then you're like, Oh, well, meh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of done. I was going to start something else. But you've started something. It's like that meme. I saw a meme floating around the other day of like <laughs> the pain of when you start a fan fiction and it's amazing. And then you look and the last time it was updated was like 2007. Oh. And you're like, oh. That's, it, I remember having that with ones older than my generation of it. And now those ones would be in the same yeah. boat. Yeah. Mine would be like 2012. Yeah. Hasn't been updated. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I the, the one I remember is the, like from the get go, I wrote this introduction for a Harry Potter one that I was like, this is Tonks's entire story. <gasps> Birth till death. This is her whole story. Cause Love. I loved her. I wrote three chapters of what I promised would be a 50 chapter story. <laughs> and I was like, tap out. So bored. It takes so long for Lupin to get there. Like I was uh, like, this is writing about childhood sucks. I want to yeah. get to like the sexy part. Sexy Lupin. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, An older man. Ship them so hard. Till the day I die. Till think... the day they died. Oh. <laughs> oh my Too God. soon. <laughs> Never get over that. Their hands reaching out. Don't. I. JKY. <laughs> I still remember the noise the cinema made when in the midnight screening of the last film, when that shot came up, the whole cinema went like that. (laughs) It was devastating. I remember reading that page in the book and thinking that can't be right. And then I went back and read it again and it was right. It was right. You good reader. Uh, (laughs) We read good. You read good. I know Lupin was Lupin and Hermione, my two favorite characters. So I got one. Back to uh, a series of unfortunate events. Yes. Tell me a little bit about this fan fiction. How long is it all together? It is 16 chapters. Mm -hmm. They're quite short. I actually, when I copied and pasted it, because I had to pull it off the forum, it was exactly 17,000 words. It was, so I would have started it when I was 12 and finished it when I was, I think, 13, but over a year and a half, like start of 12, end of 13. Love that transitional period going into high school a lot was happening but I think (laughs) I was just trying to write in Lemony Snicket's voice I think he did such a good job Daniel Handler of introducing children to really sophisticated ideas and not ever being patronizing and then but then you were so hungry Mm -hmm. for other books that you know made big ideas comprehensible and not many other books were doing that Mm -hmm. that I had access to so I was like I'm just going to try writing it as a bit of a challenge yeah. But then I would end up finding out that I was more interested in like, and same with Harry Potter, actually, I became more interested in the parents' generations, like going back to when they were teenagers and writing about. Right, because this fan fiction is about. The kids. It's yeah. about Violet, the eldest yeah. Baudelaire, what happens after the last book, what I thought happened, mm-hmm. which I don't even know why. I think I just picked an easy thing to write about. But yeah, all my fan fictions became, you know, about, the Snickets when they were young and like mm. Olaf when he was young. And then with Harry Potter, it was like the Marauders back at high school. Like yes, Hogwarts was the name of that high school. <laughs> back Just uh, tidbit. <laughs> I know I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. That's good pub trivia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of the wizarding high school? <laughs> I know Was this. it witch high? <laughs> no, you idiot. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. I think my fan fiction's always been more about, What's next? Yeah, okay. What happens after? And do you think that's because you're hungry for like more answers? Yeah. yeah. I don't really like to stray from like what's canon or different universe altogether. Like completely different. Yeah. So. Oh, I get that. I definitely tried to work in things so I didn't stray away from what the world already was. Like I was just mm. trying to make things fit in my yes. imagination. Yes. But yeah, I would agree. I don't like canon changes. Ever. Like I was yeah. like, what do you? Yeah, especially that's, if that's the, what the AU genre is for. I know. Thank you, AU. Mm. Uh, yeah, I know. I did a lot of AU stuff. Okay. I do a lot of AU stuff. All right. Because I feel like, yeah, 
If you're changing up, the, I mean, it depends. If you've got a really solid canon, like Harry Potter canon, well, she's built a whole world. It's great. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Awesome. Like you don't really need much more. But if it's something like Marvel, where there's a lot of gaps because they're movies, like there's not enough time for yeah. everything, and it can be a little bit more sometimes. Yeah. All right, fill in the gaps, do what you want. But right. when you're working with something as rich as like Harry Potter, it's like, well, okay, but what about Scorpius Malfoy? <laughs> tap, 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 tap. <laughs> that's yeah, what, that's you. That's me. Yeah. It's the actual sounds of Michelle's writing. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it right now. I'm always on the go. <laughs> All right, let's read this fan fiction. It's got a title, which is good. Some of the other ones I've read, no titles. Oh, I did add that in myself to Ooh. help you. Not to brag, but... <laughs> So considered. Dream guest. <laughs> yeah. You're coming back for season two. Yes. Gotta write more fan fiction. <laughs> How I escaped on a heart-shaped balloon. Chapter one. Phobia is a word which here means a certain type of fear that will come about after one has experienced a very traumatic incident. There are many phobias on this planet. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to say the next <laughs> word. <laughs> From ablatophobia. I just Googled the. I haven't said them out loud either. Shrug from Molly, for the record. (laughs) From ablutophobia, a fear of washing or bathing. Oh, Molly, the next one's even harder. To parascivictricariophobia, a fear of Friday the 13th. And rather awkwardly, only this one's awkwardly. (laughs) Hippopotamus troskibquipped. Allophobia, a fear of long words. When you have washed up on the shores of a completely unfamiliar place, soaking wet and separated from your siblings, you are quite likely to suffer from agoraphobia, a disorder that occurs when you are afraid that there is no form of help or escape nearby. This was the case with Violet Baudelaire, who, after being shipwrecked and separated from her family, had tumbled onto the sand of Cherubin Bay, although she had no way of knowing that this was the bizarre name of the beach, and collapsed. Her boat, Beatrice, had proved a fine, seaworthy craft at first, until a mass of grey clouds approached suddenly and fiercely. And rest assured, Violet's second experience in a storm on the ocean was just as horrifying as her first. She was certainly thrown around more, screaming, and making sure her family was unharmed. It was about that time that she felt the hand of her younger sister, Sunny, slip away from her own. It was at about that time that her brother's glasses had slid off Klaus's nose and broken in two on the floor of the boat. R.I.P. his glasses. <laughs> and it was at about this time that baby Beatrice had burst into tears, sobbing uncontrollably as waves crashed over them. It's very lemony snicket. Oh, thank you. It's very on brand. Yeah. Violet felt tears sting in her eyes. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to read it as it was written. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Violet felt tears sting in her eyes. Her siblings weren't nearby. The beach was long and flat, but there was no sign of them, no matter how hard she looked. Although there were a few oddly shaped people here and there, she was absolutely exhausted, but she had to find them. She knew that Sunny and Klaus had been together, for it was only at the end of their terrifying encounter that she lost sight of them, clinging onto each other with terror. But Beatrice was not there. If she's dead, Violet thought, it's my fault. I didn't hold her. I didn't look after her. Is that, is the books end with them in a storm? I can't remember. Yes, the end of the last book is that they I'm getting a bit confused because the TV show ended differently the book is like okay <laughs> I got it <laughs> the book ends with them just sailing back to land because they've been living on that's an island that's what I remember but then the Beatrice letters which was an accompanying book mm. not directly in the 13 book series uh referenced the Baudelaire's encountering a shipwreck um, or like being in a ship being in a shipwreck yeah. Okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't remember how it ended. I should be saying this more confidently. No, I remember the island and I remember Wasabi. Was oh, it, yeah. Was... By Lee Hardy. <laughs> Those are the... That, I think they were actually around the same time. Those are the two things I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Every day you wake up, you're like an island. Lee Hardy. <laughs> it's my prayer before bed. <laughs> I hope Lee Harding's having a good night. <laughs> She remembered the promise she had made so very long ago to her parents that she would let nothing bad again, readers read. Okay. <laughs> that she would let nothing bad would happen to her siblings. Well, the same rule seemed to apply for Beatrice. She had broken her promise. The sun was rising of Chirpin Bay, and anyone who saw Violet that morning would have thought she had basphobia, a fear of standing, because she merely lay in the sand and sobbed. 
That's a really good one. Thank you. It's kind of like really passive aggressive. <laughs> bitch Get can't up. even stand. Stupid bitch can even stand up at some point. If I were to explain to you the hundreds of emotions that ran through Violet Baudelaire as she lay on that beach, I would be sitting at my typewriter all night. And by the time I would have finished, you would be feeling awfully miserable yourself. Therefore, I will merely presume that you do not suffer from the fear of emotions and can picture the grief she is feeling without making me even more miserable. When Violet sat up, it was late in the afternoon. Her eyes were filled with sand. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Her eyes were filled with sand as she took a few small steps across the beach. She felt as though she had menophobia, a fear of memories. There better be no more phobias in this book. (laughs) I can barely say these words. I am so sorry. There's another one in the next sentence. Whoops. (laughs) She walked down the beach past a short man who seemed to suffer from obesophobia, a fear of gaining weight. Thanks to his skinniness and a man who looked like he might have had caligniophobia, a fear of beautiful women, because when Violet walked up to him, he screamed and dashed away. (laughs) She's so bloody sassy. (laughs) He must be scared of beautiful women. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) What can I say? Only write about Hochi. (laughs) It was then that Violet remembered that she was still supposedly a mass murderer, thanks to the daily punctilio. A messy sign was at the end of the sand. It was old and faded, and someone had written in scratchy writing, Chirpin Bay. Violet looked at this sign for a long time and felt a strange sensation run down her back. There was something very familiar about that name. It hit her so suddenly that she gasped loudly and heard a rustle from the bushes just ahead of her. She stepped back and stumbled slightly. Violet, said a voice, and the eldest Baudelaire realised that the person in the bush was talking. Thankfully, Violet was not ophthalmophobic. Afraid of being stared at. (laughs) Strong. And she she stared right back at the bushes where the mysterious person was hidden. The person had been hiding there since a young man who was quite old for his age accused him of having xemiphobia, or more commonly, a fear of the mole rat. Hello? Violet asked quietly. The bushes rustled again and a figure stepped out. The figure was tall but bending over oddly. Its jacket was far too big, but then again... So was its back. The figure was a hunchback and one that Violet recognised instantly. Hugo? End chapter one! Wow. <laughs> what a reveal if you know who Hugo is. <laughs> if you don't, ooh. <laughs> Do your research. I think I remember Hugo. They were in the ninth book when they uh, joined a carnival. He was one of like the freaks at the carnival. Oh, classic, you know, when you... Yeah. Drive by during the carnival. Yeah, just duck in. <laughs> Except I got stressed because I reread this this morning. And because I'm so into canon, I was like, oh, but in the series, like in the Netflix series, mm. they die. Like they all, which didn't happen in the books. And I was oh. like, well, now it's not canon with the series. I'm very stressed. <laughs> I haven't watched season. I think I watched the first season. season of that. It gets better every season. I highly recommend. I've heard that. I just didn't like the first season that much. Mm, fair. But, you know, I'm ready. Okay. Look at you, going back in, taking the plunge. I think after this amazing piece of... Are you emotionally okay right now? Because this is a devastating piece of literature. I'm What's feeling... a higher caliber than literature? <laughs> poetry. Yeah, it is poetry, it's isn't poetry. it? poetry. Yeah. Bob Dylan who give this <laughs> lady the Nobel Peace Prize. Chapter two. All right. Here we go. Oh, does this guy have an accent or anything? <laughs> He can if you want. No, no, I don't want. Oh. <laughs> no, I think he's just standing. I mean, right. everyone's American, so if you want to great, throw that in. Violet Baudelaire. Hugo leapt out of the bushes, and unless I'm much mistaken, he never returned there. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. Hey, sometimes I was okay. I didn't like that. He pulled off his jacket to reveal a large tear in his shirt, handed it to Violet, and exclaimed, It's been so long. That's such an odd passage wow. of things to yeah. do. The three steps everyone takes. (laughs) Instead of shaking hands, you peel off a layer of clothing. (laughs) No time. It's good to see you. Hugo, what? Where? What are you? Why? I thought you were dead. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Kept breathing in as I said. It was really good acting. I was going to cry. Thank you. This is a cold read. I know. It's amazing. Hugo's face turned stone cold, and luckily Violet didn't have macrophobia, a fear of waiting, because the hunchback took a long time to speak. No, he said finally. I didn't die in the fire that destroyed Hotel Denouement? Denouement. Denouement. Ah. I didn't die in the fire that destroyed Hotel Denouement, if that's what you mean. 
He seemed to be in an odd mood. Maybe because he was in a bush without a shirt. <laughs> Scared of them all. <laughs> so Violent didn't press the subject. Instead, she held the jacket up. Why do I need this? Fold the collar up. It'll cover your face. Okay, can I just interject quickly? Yes. I literally just wrote that because I remember someone commenting on the story going, I bet he's going to give Violet her, his jacket to hide her. And I was like, I'm going to put that in because I wanted people to like me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so was the chapter not posted yet? But they Chapter knew- one was posted and I mentioned the jacket and I think... You mentioned the jacket. In, in chapter one. In cha- where in he chapter one? He just says one? he's wearing a big jacket right Oh, because Hugo pops up in yeah. this. So I was like, Hugo just came in now. So yeah. pay attention. Michelle, <laughs> keep up. Come on, we've got a lot to get through. That's so nice. A little shout out yeah. for your readers. I need my fans to know that I hear them. We should take this back to the forum and let everybody know. <laughs> Why do I need to cover my face? Are you dickophobic? <laughs> uh, I think we're all a bit dickophobic, you know? <laughs> I, I'm going to say it in a not dirty way. Okay. Are you dickphobic? Wait, that's still just... <laughs> Dick and dicker, both still bad. Both is, both is dirty. Are you dickophobic? Hugo, Hugo asked, using a term which here means afraid of justice. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that's so sexy for some reason. kind of hot. Are they not? Are they Hugo not? and Violet going to... They've exchanged coats. I mean, that's the ritual. <laughs> it's the pre-mating ritual ritual. Nothing says, nothing says let's get down like being afraid of justice. <laughs> if the authorities catch you, you've got no chance. I don't know if you remember, but I'm very dangerous and still at large, Violet finished, quoting the most recent article about her and her siblings that she had read before she left the island. Yes, but why are you helping me? Hugo sighed and kneeled down on the sand. Do you know? <laughs> Tuck it out to kneel down. <laughs> it's a really big news oh. he's about to drop. <laughs> Hold on. I've got to get some sand. I've got to get down for this. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know where we are? I think so, Violet said. She looked thoughtfully at the sign. What gave it away? (laughs) The sign that says where you are. She had known about anagrams ever since she was kidnapped by Count Olaf, a greedy man who seemed to have ablutophobia and nearly murdered in front of a group of doctors, nurses, reporters, and volunteers who at the time were doing nothing to fight disease, despite what you may have heard. But as time passed, she had gotten better at decoding the once noble means of hidden communication and thought that this bay was just another mystery. I think we're at Briny Beach. Oh, it was an anagram. What? (laughs) I like that you gave it a name that still also meant like a beach, like something bay. What was it? Cherby Bay? (laughs) Church? Furby Bay. Shibby Bur? Shibby Bur. It was a Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Hugo nodded. Very good, he said. This is a part of Briny Beach much further down, past the city where your house was. This is right down the other end of the state. It was renamed by the VFD whenever they needed to display their presence. If you walk down for hours, days even, you'll find the more popular area of the beach. From there, you can catch a trolley that will take you north. Get off after 13 minutes. Walk east for seven. Walk north again for eight. I hope she's taking notes. <laughs> Walk up the next street for a quarter of an hour. Turn left and continue along until you come to the ruins of a fire. Hotel Dunemont, Violent said, although she was not all too confident. Alas, she was correct. That direction bit should have gone on for four more pages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go up a set of stairs for 20 minutes. Go down the same set of stairs. Just on and on. Take an Uber for five miles. <laughs> piggyback a small lion to the other (laughs) alas she was correct correct hugo said (laughs) he sighed and stared out at the beach kevin died in that fire oh who's kevin another one of the freaks oh man r.i.p (laughs) r.i.p a stone seemed to plummet to the bottom of violet's stomach and stay there a horrible sickening jolt rushed through her Kevin may have taken his circumstances for granted and complained when being ambidextrous was really no reason to join a vile man in his sinister plot. But he was kind to the Baudelaire's for the short time they spent living with him. He had only ever joined Olaf's troop to be included and his death was not shock but sadness. She knew, of course, that many people died in that horrible fire that consumed Hotel de Neumont, but the mixture of grief and guilt that filled her was almost too much to bear. There is a curious phobia that I have come across in my days, back when I was engaged to a woman who was now dead, along with her husband. 
And I'm sorry to say, one of her children. <gasps> oh my god! Isn't that? Aren't they? Is that the Baudelaire's? Yeah. One of them's dead. I guess so. I'm invested in this story. <laughs> you, you're gonna be okay. I don't gonna know. Need a therapy dog in here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Oh. It is called cardiophobia, and it is curious because it is a fear of the heart. The heart, as I'm sure you know, is a constantly beating part of our body that causes blood to run through us, but is also supposedly the source behind love, grief, and all emotions, even though I'm quite sure the brain is in charge of this area. To be cardiophobic would mean that you are afraid of something inside you, and it is very hard to remove, so you would be stuck with the most terrifying thing you have ever faced, living somewhere to the left of your chest, and also an unclear fear of hundreds of different fears. It would be unpleasant in many, many senses. I'm not only bringing this up to show how difficult life would be if you were cardiophobic, but also to display how Violet felt as she wished emotions would stop taking her over and she could focus. I'm so sorry. You needn't be, Hugo said bitterly. Do another take for turn. (laughs) (laughs) You needn't be. (laughs) Chills. (laughs) I know. I'd like to thank the Academy. (laughs) Hugo said bitterly. It wasn't you who set that fire. It was Olaf. That's why I left his troop and joined the good side of VFD. I always knew he was evil, but he'd gone too far with that. Violet's insides squirmed more than ever. She was a murderer, and although she knew that her situation had been desperate, it felt unbearable to know that she had killed someone. I know that if she hadn't set that fire, my sister would have been killed by a repulsive villain before she had given birth to my niece. I know that if Sunny had not suggested burning the hotel, the nobler part of VFD would have been destroyed entirely. And I know that if Hotel Dunumont had remained open any longer, a group of irksome tourists would have gone for a swim in the lake outside the hotel and discovered the underwater catalogue of Dewey Dunumont, which would have unleashed horrors too awful for me to describe. But Violet did not know this. She felt sick as she and Hugo walked down Briny Beach, or rather, Cherbin Bay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe like, remember when I was clever? Yeah, yeah. Or Chevy Chase Bay. <laughs> she felt like she had cymophobia, a fear of waves and waving motions, because as she watched the sea, she felt terrified about what would happen next. No, ablutophobia is a fear of washing. Oh, sick burn. Because <laughs> that's what you said Olaf, Olaf had. Yeah. And chapter two. Shit, man. Oh my God. That's heavy stuff. Oh no, we can definitely do another one. Let's do another one. Okay. Chapter three. Violet trudged alongside Hugo, her hair blowing loosely into her face. She dearly wished that she had her dark green ribbon to tie it up, but alas, it was miles away in a small, damp cave. Not that Violet knew this. Man, everyone's missing their, like, things. Like, Klaus's glasses Klaus's are broken. Glasses. She doesn't have a ribbon. The author is missing a thesaurus because she keeps using the word alas. Alas. <laughs> <laughs> and Sonny's not there. Yeah. That's her thing, That's her being thing, there. absence. <laughs> Hugo's jacket was indeed enormous. If it had looked big on the hunchback, this was nothing compared to how Violet looked. We need tan France, quick. <laughs> French tuck it. French tuck that jacket. Do you see the shoulder seams? It's <laughs> so far off where you actually are. Tan France just walked into the studio, picked up a mic. <laughs> now, hold on. Let's do your whole look. Um, the collar covered up her entire face so that her view was incredibly restricted. She could not turn her neck because the jacket weighed her down so much that it hurt to move her head any more than totally necessary. The coat reached the ground so that Violet stumbled every time she lifted her foot and she constantly felt like she was falling. Wouldn't that be way more sussing? Like a girl walk down the street, like <laughs> blind, <absolutely>. stumbling. <laughs> I would be like, well, I'm going to look at that person. Oh, it's that criminal. Yeah, true. The cold breeze was drifting up the arms of the jacket so that her whole body was numb. She stuck her hands into a large pocket that she couldn't feel the bottom of. She could, however, feel something else. She fumbled around for a moment and then finally managed to extract a crumbled piece of paper. Written on it in messy scroll was this. I remember a very long time ago, before you were born, an incident concerning a rather famous man by the name of Albert Einstein. This man was famous for many reasons, most of them involving either his magnificently creative brain or his hair. I forget which. Right. Sorry. In this story, Albert is busy working on a mathematical equation when all of a sudden the doorbell began to ring. If you don't believe that the doorbell existed back then, look it up. It did. 
He removed himself from the desk. He told himself there was nothing to worry about, but it was the fact that he was saying this that bothered him. His boss was a mean one. It would not tolerate cowardliness. And then Albert would be out of work. He opened the door. We're from the Science Association of America, said a tall man. Dead or alive, we want you. It's about to kick into high gear. <laughs> Dead or alive, the band that sing spin me right round like a record. We want to hire them for a party, for a wedding. I will say about that, I actually, I didn't figure out what it was, but there's like a code used in a series of unfortunate events. It's called the Sebald Code. You count, it starts with ring. That's how you know it started. And then you count every certain word. I think it's a code. Oh, so what the the number of words they're saying is code. Oh, no, it's else. like you, every third word is like, or every 13th word I'm trying to remember is a... Is the word you're actually the trying word, to say. And then you listen to that sentence. Oh. So when I heard rings, I was like, oh, I'm sure that's what I was writing. Okay, clever. But I can't remember how many words between <coughs> each coded word. Still, still smart still whoa what a prodigy what a 12 year old (laughs) prodigy albert wished he had let the doorbell ring and just keep ringing violet who had studied albert einstein a fair few times knew no such thing was true but instead let her mind wonder as to whom this could be from it was written in such a peculiar style violet felt atherzagoraphobic meaning she felt as though hugo was ignoring her and it scared her Not once had he uttered a word all the way down the beach, and they had been walking for nearly a day. Jesus. Mamma mia. You haven't said anything either, Violet. (laughs) You've just been standing there reading. (laughs) Communication's a two-way street. (laughs) (laughs) She needed answers. Gone were the times where she could believe that there were things in life she was not meant to know. Where was her family? The people she loved? Hugo, she said nervously, as they reached another winding point of the beach. Tripping and stubbing her toe on a particularly jagged rock, Violet suddenly realised how dark it was. The moon was well hidden behind the clouds and she was starting to feel slightly nyctophobic, although she usually wasn't afraid of the dark. I know what you want, Hugo sighed. It's inside the pocket on your left. Violet instantly knew that Hugo didn't know what she wanted, simply because there was no way that either of her siblings could fit in her pocket. Oh my god. This is great. Good stuff. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm gonna be reading this when this is wrapped up. I gotta know what happens next. Beatrice, maybe, but this was such a ridiculous idea that it didn't even occur to the sixteen year old inventor. Another breeze flew through the jacket arms and violence shuddered like she had areophobia, a fear of drafts, as she pulled out a large round apple. I've already eaten, Hugo continued, but I wouldn't mind a small bite if that's okay with you. If you're too hungry, though, I understand. Violet had already handed him the apple. He reluctantly took a small bite, smiled slightly, and handed the fruit back to Violet. Violet had a soft spot for apples since they had saved her from being poisoned and gratefully chewed on it. The sun was soon rising and Violet was glad about this. After all, she wasn't wasn't esophobic. Fengophobia did not strike her as she strode and fell down the beach, confident that she and Hugo would reach their destination, until a thought hit her. Where are we going? Hugo beamed. Wherever fate leads us, he exclaimed. Wherever the heavens point, that is the direction we shall take. The world is our oyster, Violet. The road is long and endless. Destiny is a funny thing, my friend. <laughs> so these are like a bunch of like hang in there kitty Yeah, <laughs> this versus the direction scene. <laughs> Where he says all the directions. Who would win? Choose your fighter. So he told her to go those directions. And then he's but, with her the whole time. But now they're going for like a really long walk to nowhere? Yeah. I'm a bit confused. Um, I have no answers, which I'll be honest. <laughs> and it will be the decider in this funny little world of ours. And look where destiny has led us. He stopped abruptly, causing Violet to topple over in the jacket, the falling sensation coming upon her yet again. The, f- the sensation of falling. Because she was falling. She fell. <laughs> Man, that <laughs> sensation of hunger you get when you're hungry, I swear, it's <laughs> wild. It's one of the things I like about fan fiction is just authors trying to say common phrases in like new ways. In a spicy way, yeah. Yeah, in a really spicy way. <laughs> like, I felt my stomach tangle up in webs as the like the desire for food just washed upon me. It's like, <laughs> so he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> she stood up, shoving the newly found scrap of paper into her breast pocket and followed Hugo's gaze. 
He was staring at a magnificent cathedral with stained glass windows and tall, endless towers coming out from random parts of the walls. It looked as though someone had designed the building after swearing to make it only out of angles because every bit of it was pointy and sudden. I actually really like that as a description of architecture. It's actually kind of cool. It was the building was just sudden, oh, so bougie. Oh I, I'm gonna drop that in a conversation and see how the people around me react. People will be like, "Whoa, did Lemony Snicker write that?" Like, no, 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 no. I'll do you one better. <laughs> Is that a church? Violin asked, having always had a bit of an ecclesiophobia about not wanting to go too near a holy place. No, Hugo said cheerfully. They turned it into a hospital now, much more pleasant. Violet hastily followed Hugo into the hospital and could not help but gasp as she entered. The inside was completely different to its outside. The walls were made out of a shiny white marble. The room was quite circular. Hundreds of doors were lined up, row upon row, each bearing the name of a different ward. Muffled voices were emitting from Ward 101, but other than that, the hole was completely silent. The receptionist's desk had been abandoned long ago after the receptionist was diagnosed with lutrophobia and ran away, fearing that someone would bring in their pet otter in search for a vet. This is great. <laughs> Did you just Google like obscure fears? I remember having like three web pages dedicated to like lissophobia opened. Love. But it was in a time before the internet was more interested in verification, like I think it was before, you know, you had to have, like, sources. Yeah. So I think people just put the most BS phobias <laughs> online. And I'd be like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> There's no way the fear of long words is actually it, a long word. It or is. is that true? That's true. I've okay. seen that before. At least Please I've... edit that. I'm very smart. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> or at least I've seen that on the internet. But, you know. Spectacular, Hugo said breathlessly, as though it had been his design. Marvellous. Incredible. Stunning. Per- Violet did not get to hear Hugo's next adjective to describe the waiting room because at that moment, the doors of Ward 101 burst open. Out poured about 20 people, all grinning and talking loudly. The leader of the back was a large bearded man holding a guitar. And to me. (laughs) (laughs) He strummed a cheerful sounding chord on it and all at once the group burst into song. I'm not singing it. (laughs) Where volunteers fighting disease... We're cheerful all day long. If someone said that we were sad, that person would be wrong. Violet felt like she was falling, falling, and this time, the sensation would not go away. Author's note. Essiophobia is a fear of daybreak, and phenagophobia is a fear of daytime. Lutrophobia is, obviously, judging from the text, a fear of otters. <laughs> obviously, you idiot. How is that obvious? What is lutra the Latin stem word for? Otters? No, I think it's because I said. Oh, because he said it in the, the story. About otters. Oh. I don't know why I really added it in. <laughs> Just love the sound of my own voice. Three beautiful chapters. Thank Molly. you. After that, how do you feel about the story? I honestly, I think it's very cute that I was so determined to write in his voice, and I think I, you know, for I think you achieved that. I think it's like quite good. I think it's quite good. That you know, I was very immersed in those books, though. I did read them a lot. So I think I, and yeah, like I said, they were tonally so different to any other books that I had read that I think, yeah, mm. I was very engaged with like the narration. Yeah. But it's so funny in later chapters that all kind of falls away because I was just so, I, the passion for writing this story was gone. I ditched the phobia thing. Like I stopped. <laughs> You're like, why didn't I read those chapters? <laughs> the well ran dry of obscure phobias. Well, I just couldn't be bothered anymore. Yeah. And then like Violet became a bitch. Cause I was like <laughs> bitching about having to write to finish the thing. Because the weird thing about being on a forum was that I was suddenly engaged with all these people that I was like internet friends with. And I felt mm. like I couldn't let them down. Mm. The fact is though, people have like mild disappointment. Maybe, but no one really cares in that oh, set. Not about not about good ones, but I think about my particular fan fiction. I mean, it's got potential to be good. <laughs> Thank you. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> I think people do really care, but I think it, it depends on what your definition of good is at that time. If you were also 12 and reading this, I'm sure you'd be like, this is as good as Lemony Snicket. Mm. Like, you would be really keen for what's next. Yeah, that's true. But I agree, like, finishing a story, I've only finished, like, proper ones, like, two. Right. And they were both because people kept saying, are you going to finish this? 
Because I was like, yeah, I was done with it. Like, yeah. personally done. But I felt bad. I'm trying to figure out if that's a good lesson to learn about discipline and finishing, you know, following through on an idea or if it's ultimately a just something you do to satisfy other people. It's a bit of give and take. And I reckon, you know, we're both uh, creatives now. Mm. I think now I wish there was someone saying, keep going, like you need to finish <laughs> this because it's so easy just to abandon ideas that you have in early stages. Yeah, it's true. And you wish maybe there was someone like being your hype man to tell you to keep going. Yeah. But you can't just do it for other people either. It's true. I had a thing. I was writing this kind of t- – I was developing this TV show idea last year. It wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I really, really was like, I have to follow through. Like, I can't just quit because it's hard. And then I eventually went, it's not just hard. It's literally not a good idea. Like, yes, And that, that was too. like the push into like finally abandoning the idea mm-hmm. and going and looking at another idea that is actually interesting. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's – there's something to be said of like if I had stopped writing this when I got bored of it and just gone and focused, yeah, I actually could have finished a story I actually really cared about before I was kind of personally kind of outgrew that forum. Mm. And, yeah, I think I went stopped going on there about year eight. When did you stop writing fan fiction? I, I kind of, yeah, I dwindled at about year eight, I think. And then I went back when the last Harry Potter film came out. I went back yes. into Harry Potter because <laughs> I needed something. Like I was like, I can't. It's comforting, isn't it? It was so comforting. You need it. it. So good. I remember this very specific moment in my life of staying at my Nana's house. I just had my 16th birthday and someone gave me one of those big gold haze frogs. You know those oh, cakes, the yeah, chocolate? Yeah, yeah. One of those big gold frogs for my birthday and just eating that really lush chocolate in my Nana's guest room reading Harry Potter fan fiction. Oh, one of the high points of my life. That's lush. It was so good. Oh. It came from a very sad place of my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite thing being do you, do you ever read fan fiction anymore? I haven't in a long time. Mm. And I think, I think I just don't feel passionately enough at this point about any like franchise or series totally. or anything. It's not really, it's not really something you do like when you're, when you're out of books and you're like, all right, now I'm going to go read fan fiction. Like you need to be invested. Yeah, totally. Like you have to be obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you are still engaged. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. I still read it a lot, but only when I'm ready. Like, it's the last stage of me being obsessed with something. Okay. Yeah. So, like, at the moment, after Endgame and Spider-Man, like, Marvel is my thing. Yeah, right. So I'm reading all my Marvel fan fiction. A couple months ago, I played Red Dead Redemption. I was obsessed with that. Right. So then it was Red Dead fan fiction. So it's really, like, whatever at the time. And now I'm sort of done with Red Dead. Like, I'm like, oh, I've packed that in a box. I've, I yeah. know everything I can know about it next and then you kind of move on but it always feels like the last step of really loving something for me is to just seek that little bit further or something yeah and then be like okay now i'm good the the final tasty morsel yeah and then the plate is clean yes i lick the plate and the plate's clean yeah do you feel like writing fan fiction because you're a writer now Mm. is there any connection there like from a young age you know being interested in fan fiction being something like an outlet like a creative way to write that's kind of easier. Oh, absolutely. And I definitely think like that kind of writing, like heart-shaped balloon writing, like taught me, yeah, how to write in a certain voice. And then you start to use it to find out what you like. Like I always Mm. ended up writing romance, even if it wasn't like the center of something. I I loved putting romance into things, which is why eventually older teenagers became like, like 17 year olds became my favorite people to write about. And you still write about teenagers. A lot of the content you make is about like or have been in is like teenage to young adult. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to write too far into the future for me starts to feel like characters like when they're grown up and stuff. I'm like, I'm not a grown up. So how would I know how to write that? But um, mm. oh, yeah, totally. And learning even to be funny. I remember being younger and just not understanding how books could be really funny mm. like not ever thinking I'd be able to like really like finding books amusing but never really going how could I ever write something that makes people laugh just by writing it because I also did performing mm. and I was like you make people laugh by like bashing into something like it was <laughs> yeah I was an injured child <laughs> um 
and yeah, just, I don't know. I think it was so critical to like how I became a writer later on. Mm. But yeah, and just having something to write about, like half the, more than half the people who write, who want to write, don't write because they don't know what to write about. Totally. Or like, you know, they start and then the start is the easiest, right? Like the first chapter is always like, this is a blip pours out of you. And then after that, it's like, I'm out of ideas. But when you're writing fan fiction, there's so much uh, like material to work with. Yeah. It's like a real training ground for, you know, it's just like practicing. It's like practicing with training wheels on for, for writing your own original ideas later. Yeah, absolutely. Which is nice. That's really nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Did people know, like your, when I say people, I mean like your friends or family know that you were into fanfic? No. I think I told one girl when I first got to high school and then I was like, I wish I hadn't told her. It's like my little world. Mm. I mean, people probably, I was so into Harry Potter in year six. We started a band as Harry Potter characters. <laughs> we were called the Marauders and it was Ramus, Lily, James and Peter and who am I forgetting? Sirius. <laughs> Had the band. Wow. Oh, no, no, it was the four boys and then Snape and Lily would do guesties on songs. Hey. But I like, fully like wrote these songs. Did you record them? I don't think so i'm trying to remember devastated (laughs) there were so many i could probably yeah but like i was so into this stuff that i don't think it would have surprised anyone that i was writing fan fiction but i liked having my own little thing Mm. it was actually probably so helpful to have transitioning from primary school to high school as well because i wasn't super popular (laughs) um for uh my life right up till now (laughs) um I struggled in year seven when I got into high school I just like had a hard time I got bullied a little bit so I was like Mm. I think having like a space online where I was called May and I was older than I said I like I always said I was older than I was in real life yeah had my little place yeah and it's how often can a 13 year old girl have a thousand people saying I love this like it's really nice it's amazing like for young girls out there, it's a really safe place to like explore ideas and be validated. Yes, and I just remembered that because I was like I loved writing and I was good at English, but I got to high school and my English teacher didn't like me, and she would my year seven English teacher wouldn't. She had like the smart the the kids are really good at English like do extra work, and she never gave me that stuff. Heartbreak. I remember being so upset because I was like, "Well, you should have sent her this fake and be like, lady. Um, I've got nine stars on this forum. I looked at the forum. My, I was like such an active member in this forum. I was like, wow. Do you know how many readers roughly you had on this? I'm not. I have no idea. Yeah, there is. I don't know if you can check that on a forum, but the fan fiction sites do tell you how right. many how many hits it has. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and looking back on some of mine, I'm like. That's insane. That's the biggest audience I've ever had. That's amazing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like you make a web series or a TV show or whatever and 500 people watch it and you're like, <laughs> whatever. And then you look back at a fan fiction that has like thousands of hits and yeah. you're like, why won't anybody watch my web series? Oh my <laughs> or whatever other thing you're making is. It's like so hard to find an audience. But then for this, there is such an audience. Like every fandom, if you write a decent fic, you'll get at least a couple hundred people will read it. Oh, for sure. Like, without a doubt. If you post it on Archive or fanfiction.net or Wattpad or whatever, you'll get a bunch of people to read your work and tell you what they think. And, like, that's great. You don't have to use your real name. Like, it's all safe. Yeah. It's really Mm -hmm. nice. Bon appetit. (laughs) Yeah, but eat your tasty meal. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you want to say about fanfiction? This is just – I just remembered that I wrote – I just think this is so funny and very on brand for me at whatever age I was. But I wrote a fan fiction that was the thirstiest piece of writing ever. It's Harry Potter and it was Hermione and Dean. Hermione and Dean. Okay, so Hermione and Ron are together, but Ron's being such a, uh, an idiot that Hermione dumps him temporarily and dates Dean for like a minute. And it was so horny. Like it's crazy. Did they have sex in it? Like the most insane sex written by like absolutely had never gone near sex with a 10 foot pole me being like, I think this is what it would look like. Just like so disgusting. And then forgetting I'd written that sex scene telling, and I remember it was so dirty. You know how on fan fiction you have to say like mild sexual references or like full on sex scenes. Like you have to rate it. And I remember having to change it because I was like, this is too much. Then forgetting that. And telling some people <gasps> that I'd written fan fiction, I was like, you can 
And you can read it here. Someone else had written it in the group, um, in our like little circle, and I was like, "Oh, I've written some too. It's called this. You should read it." And then remembering and going, "But I got hacked." And they were like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, someone hacked my fiction." <laughs> and um, it it's uh, it says all this disgusting stuff, and then I went back and deleted it all. Oh, I think I got a lot God. of hate for even writing it. People were like Hermione's a slut. Like I think they slut shamed Hermione for like. Oh. Yeah, well, because not sleeping again. Harry and Ron, like it's con- it's canonical. Like people yeah. don't want to stray far. From it's true, them. but no. also don't slut shame. But also, yeah, like I it's mean, a very like it was very misogynistic. I would say, like intrinsically, like yes, yeah. Let Hermione be Hermione, exactly for sure. I did. I almost did a similar thing a few days ago. <laughs> I posted on Instagram. Um, I don't know if you saw my post with Chris Evans in it. Yes. Loved that. I posted about, I got to do like a pitch to the ABC for this idea about fan fiction, like a TV show about fan fiction. And um, then I was like, well, I'm going to post on social saying how great the experience was because it was very fun. And um, because I used to, I no one knew I wrote fan fiction until I was in my mid twenties, early twenties now. And I was going to write, I was, instead of posting a picture of Chris Evans, I was going to post a screenshot from one of my fan fictions because I've never told, like no one who I know has read my work. Right. So it was my infamous Ben 10 fan fiction, <laughs> which I've told a lot of people about. And it always makes people laugh. They're like, Ben 10 fan fiction. That is so funny. And I'm like, yeah, it happened, all right? And then I screenshot, <laughs> screenshot like the first paragraph and I was going to post and be like, teaser. And then I just like in a moment of paranoia went, I'm going to Google the entire sentence. And if my fan fiction comes up, I'm not posting this. And oh my I, gosh. I Googled it and it was the top result. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> knowing my friends, they will all Google oh, it. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's a very, Can't bait us like that. it's a very problematic fan fiction. Oh no. Why? I was very young and it's very inappropriate. <laughs> I was just like, I can't let anybody read this. Okay. Why is it so inappropriate? Oh, like themes of rape. There was a rape in it. And I just like, it was just, like teenager me figuring out what things are like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like rape in a good light it was rape in a terrible light like it was but bad it's you like being introduced to the concept and being like yeah it was it's like, up to me to address this in my ben 10 fan fiction it was like a um like a rape happening in the story um but it was all about the male character like not the bad guy it was like a good guy being like oh this is so bad like it wasn't about the woman or, or the it wasn't about the victim and okay. it's, it's inappropriate like it's so problematic now right but at the time i was like this is really gripping this stuff it's basically we need what to see me too from the perspective of people that are witnessing the yes movement. it was very like probably any film that's been made about rape who that was written and directed by a man yeah but I was a teenager yeah, <laughs> and it, it didn't get made into a feature movie. So yes. it's not as bad. Okay. Um, but I was like, no, one I can just know love this. the marriage of Ben 10 and those big ideas. Those- <laughs> I know. Woof. I was really into uh, Ben 10 alien force, which is the adult, like the grown up version of Ben 10, like the Ben 10 version of Rugrats or grown up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That concept. Yeah. Molly, thank you so much. For talking to me about thank you so much your fan fiction and letting me read it, um, <laughs> it's just really nice to talk about this stuff with other people. No, it was awesome. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Shot. If you enjoy my podcast, then you can listen to another podcast that I host called Long Story Short Film. It's about the process of making a short film from start to end, including the writing process, production post-production and then the festival circuit so if you're interested in filmmaking you can find long story short film at long story sf on twitter and then all the relevant links to the podcast are there it's on apple spotify and all places where you get your podcasts so if you're interested in that you can check it out thank you one shot is made with support from balloon tree productions the theme song is Dearest Friend by Hem. You can follow me on Twitter at OneShotPod and subscribe to OneShot on Apple, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.